One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Welcome, everyone, to the Cultaholic Classic Raw Review. You see, whilst the other Cultaholic lads are dealing with the fallout from Fastlane and on the road to WrestleMania, we are on the road to crowning a new Intercontinental Champion as we chronologically critique, thank you, OSW Review, the entire history of Monday Night Raw. And who be we, by the way? I be radio presenter, fake Geordie, Tom Campbell, with me, On the line right now, far earlier than normal. We had to give him a good old push out of bed to get here. The bear in the big blue bar cage. Cultaholic's head pen. Doesn't need a pencil. Gets it right every time. Slurping his coffee. It's Justin Henry from Off of America. Good morning, Tommy. Happy daylight savings, which is why we're doing this at this time. I was mocking people yesterday who were saying, what's the point of Daylight Series? It ruins lives. And I'm like, what's, what's wrong with you? And now I'm like, oh, they may have a point. They were right. It's it's Well, I mean, it's ruined your life. I mean, for me, it's just I get the pleasure of speaking to you a little bit earlier because I'm about two hours away from starting my, my regular day job. Uh, so well, it might, not be, it might not be so bad over the next few weeks until yours changes over because it goes to it on a Sunday, but... We'll figure something out. This, we'll, do, um, yeah, we'll, we'll, do some, we'll do some admin on that. Uh, another time, but it is nice and early in the morning for you, sir. Do you want to give a plug to whatever coffee you're drinking? Uh, I'm drinking Starbucks Blonde Roast. I like the Blonde Roast. They do that over here now, too. And It's yummy, and it's beneficial because I'm more awake now than I was three minutes ago. So I'm just going to keep sucking it down while we... Uh... While we do this show here today, I feel like we are now more like less like cultaholic and more like post wrestling, because uh, John Pollock and waiting. I feel like every time I listen, they're always going, "Oh man, I'm really tired today. <laughs> I'm really tired too. I'm tired all the time. I just I just do a decent job of masking it. You certainly do, my friend. So this is where myself and Justin Henry will go back in time. We'll watch old episodes of Raw from the very beginning and hopefully all the way through to its foregone, gritty, gory conclusion. Uh, Where and when are we this week, Justin Henry? Well, we have finally managed to leave New York State. It is Monday, September 27, 1993. We are at the Veterans Memorial Coliseum in New Haven, Connecticut. I kind of miss the Manhattan Center already. Well, I, I do for the, uh, I do for its special aesthetic, but I, I I do enjoy the fact that we're in an actual arena for once in Rawls history here, with like actual, it's like a five thousand seat building. It it looks good and it feels full, doesn't it? It does. Although the audio aesthetic is kind of messed up, you can tell that even though this was um, the episode we're watching was taped that night, it was taped earlier in the evening, so they don't really have the 
sound perfect on this show. It's it's a little off. It's still something. I mean, there's a few things as we go through it. There is still a few things that they are figuring out. They're still finding the sides when it comes to doing live or or as live wrestling television. And we're very grateful now that we're at a point where these, on the whole, their production values are so smooth because there's a few moments during this where you think, "Eh, they're not quite the full, they're not quite there yet. (laughs) Yeah, they probably started around like 7.30 and then once the first episode was taped, they must have like run backstage and and it is kind of helter-skelterish how they threw the first episode together on quote-unquote live at 9 p.m. that night. Because they had taped three episodes on this evening, which is a, which is a first for Raw, the first three part taping in history, I believe. So they got a lot to get in here, and a lot of historical stuff to get in. What I like is the fact that they would have taped three episodes of Raw each an hour long, and there would have no doubt been some trepidation backstage about whether or not. Do you think the fans will be able to stick through three hours of wrestling without getting tired or bored? <laughs> Well, they've done superstars and challenge teams that have gone five hours. Oh, jeez! You got the Coliseum matches to tape first. You got the big name matches: your Hogan versus Star Du Jour, and then you have your three hours of squash matches that follow. So, those marathons that, that went on up until about, I'd say, nineteen ninety-six or so. Suddenly, this feels slightly more palatable in comparison. I don't know, man. I would have enjoyed those shows back in the day if I. If I could have gone the one. It does. I, I think when I was younger, I did wonder, like, why are so many people coming out to see Papa Shango versus a local guy? I don't understand. And then obviously you learn, um, oh, they just tape loads of it and they put it all in cans and stuff. That because they were promised the ultimate warrior versus Ric Flair. Oh, man. Did that, was that a hell show match? Well, no. What they would do is at TV tapings, they would advertise locally, say, Come see Hulk Hogan versus Sid Justice, Ultimate Warrior versus Ric Flair, uh, Intercontinental, Intercontinental Title Bret Hart versus uh, Shawn Michaels, and they would have those matches, but they would never air anywhere, which is why on that um, the DVD, that unreleased matches DVD, you see stuff like that on there because that's what was advertised locally in order to get people to actually show up because you can't just say, "Come see the Nasty Boys face two pasty white jobbers you've never heard of before." <laughs> Is, uh, you know, come for the name matches and stay for three weeks worth of tapings afterwards. <laughs> it's, it's very, it's very true. You can tell I've never really been to a, a TV taping. Yes, and that's uh, that's how it worked. That's how it worked for many years, and that's why the crowd's always in zombie mode, like I am right now, by hour five. But we are in hour one of this uh, block of tapings, and uh, straight out of the bat, uh, we have a we 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 have what actually turned out to be a rather decent opening match. And not only that, we'll, we'll, we don't get there yet. We have we have your walking embodiment of a wet dream here in Jack Tunney. Oh, yes! We have on the take Tunney start us off. I forgot this bit. How wonderful! <laughs> Jack Tunney with his dual American-Canadian flag, which I want one for my office. <laughs> Jack Tunney I, with a big announcement. The big And, and this is a big announcement. The Intercontinental title, because of Shawn Michaels not making regularly scheduled title defenses, is now vacant. Which is Carney Fork. He failed a drug test. <laughs> I was going to say, we did. We mentioned last week kind of why Shawn and the Steiners were all sort of just disappeared off TV roughly at the same time. Yeah, although Shawn in his book, uh, flatly, he flatly denies 
that he took anything to a field that test. He believes it may have been a false positive. But because of the heat was coming down on the company, they had to suspend him, I guess, in order, in order to save face. Although, although it, it could be true, Sean could have failed a test, but in, in the book, he does deny it. And that's why he quit the company for about two months at this point. We won't see him for a little while. So this was him getting his uh, his nose bent out of shape. Like, I didn't do nothing. I'm, I'm off. Bye. Uh-huh. If, it, if it was a false positive, can you blame him for being upset? Yeah, I certainly can. And he, he does have a point in, to a small degree uh, on an aesthetic of on an aesthetic degree, he says it was. He felt he felt a steroid test, and if you look at him in 1993, he was quite blubbery. Yeah, so you think like if if he is on steroids, they're not doing a whole lot. Well, it it could have been a uh, you know he could have taken roids for uh, you know medical purposes, like he was um, just trying to heal up you know because of the of the hellish touring schedule, you know, just trying to revitalize his body in, in order to make it through these touring loops. Which could be the case. That's true. That isn't unheard well, it, of. It, it, it is. He, he said, and at this point, it's been twenty-five years. So, what's the point of debating who was right in this one? Yeah, point exactly. Is, he he wouldn't be lying about it this late in the game, would he? It wouldn't make any difference. Yeah. And point is, he's out of the picture for quite a while, and the belt is now vacant. Next week's Raw, we will have a twenty-man over-the-top rope battle royal. The last two men standing inside Battle Royal will face off the following week on Raw in a one-on-one match, and whoever wins that match is the Intercontinental Champion. And later on in the show, we will find out who those 20 men are, and we got some rather interesting names for the tournament. Very interesting names. Some of whom are deserving to be in the match, and others... uh, Can't really make a case for them so much. One of... One of whom is the ultimate. Who the hell is that guy? <laughs> but, we'll, but we'll come to that when it comes up in rotation here. And first thing I, I noted in these notes here is, wow, what a decent-sized crowd. It does look good. It looks full. And I don't know what it's like on the other side of the camera, but it, that doesn't matter. It looks like the place to be. It looks like an in-your-house from 1996, as opposed to a Monday Night Raw, which... In a way, is a good thing. I think it's a great thing. I think it's it's to make it's making out. You know, Monday Night Raw is the hot ticket in town, which is what they always wanted it to be. In New Haven, home of Yale, as Johnny Polo later on the show will take umbrage with. We find out that the Quebecers are facing an unknown team, but we are assured that it, it is a worthy team. Superfly Jimmy Snook is back, and Rick Martel is now apparently an all-time great. One of the all-time greats. It's what well, if there was. We should really develop some kind of Vince McMahon, Vince McMahon drinking game when he's on commentary in the nineties. Because you know, every time he says "what a maneuver," take a drink. When he refers to somebody as an all-time great, take a drink. You know, Adam's very careful when he puts up the call to hall pay-per-view drinking rules, because I mean, I mean, by God, you know, all the responsibility and liability he's assuming here with it. Well, <laughs> With alcohol-based games and uh, a possible overindulgence on the part of some, you know, over-eager players. If he did them for, for every one, two, yes, yes, he got him. My God, we'd have stomach pumping. We need <laughs> hospitalization for for the players. <laughs> Mate, we'd be dead. <laughs> and be yeah, getting, getting a lot of lawsuits. Well, well, 
you'd be dead. I would be alive because I don't drink, and I'd, I'd have to deal with all the legal fallout probably. Yeah, you can do all that, and I'll I'll do all the drinking. That's fine. Yeah, only a fair trade. <laughs> so we open with a 1992 feud: Tatanka versus the model Rick Martel. This was an Savage. old school feud, wasn't it? Yes, they faced off WrestleMania eight a year and a half earlier. In a match that was only notable for calling for Bob Bikini and calling the Tonga's tribe Lumpy instead of Lumpy. <laughs> I like the setup to their feud though, because Rick Martel had one of the Indian feathers uh, in, in his hat, and uh, it was a fashion statement. <laughs> yes, he put it in in his turquoise. Uh, it's not a Kangol hat. What is it? it it's it's some. It was a. What are those hats called? It's like almost like a bus driver hat, but much more fashionable. <laughs> and it was turquoise. I remember, I remember because it matched his jacket, which is you, know, you always want to try to coordinate everything. I don't remember the name of the thing, but I do. But I do know it was very fetching. I remember being very happy when the Tonga got his feathers back. I know they meant the world to him. It was like when um, it was like when Al Snow and Head reunited. Yeah. What does everybody want? Feathers. <laughs> what does everybody need? Feathers. <laughs> Although, anyway, I'm I'm, uh, I'm I'm still waking up as you can tell here. God, that you're on form, my friend. You're on form. <laughs> so it's Tatanka so, versus the model Rick Martel in a proper throwback match that uh, genuinely, as I said a few minutes ago, defied my expectations. Savage did assure us that it was a main event anywhere in the world, which is why it went on third at Survivor Series 92. <laughs> Bobby Heenan is talking... Bobby Heenan is hyping the Battle Royal up. He says there's never been a prize like that for a Battle Royal before. And I wrote down, how about the 92 Rumble that Ric Flair won that you had a heart attack in? <laughs> yeah, but that's not that's not a Battle Royal, or is it? That's a Royal Rumble. Okay. That's different. Technicalities. I, I think okay. a bit, but it tends to be like in this era, a Battle Royal is normally just for uh, the, the winner gets to be the one that gets eliminated last by Andre the Giant. Or there's normally a car or like a big wad of cash for Battle Royals. So an actual championship belt hanging in the balance in a Battle Royal is pretty revolutionary. Or if you're Ronnie Garvin, a free boat. (laughs) If you don't know that story, Google it. I do remember the boat. Oh, and there was a trophy. There was the, there was, it was the, we're going back to WrestleMania 2. It was the wrestlers versus footballers Battle Royal and the winner got a trophy, didn't they? That was WrestleMania 4 when Bad News got the trophy. Ah, oh, that was Brett, it. I mean, that was a giant trophy, too. It was like seven feet tall. But this is a, for this to be a for, for a championship belt opportunity, It's I love the fact that they, they make this out as this is actually a really big deal. I mean, money comes and goes. Cars come and go out of fashion. But this is for the Intercontinental Championship. There's an opportunity at it. And if you notice, they've, they've kind of stopped mentioning Sean. Like, like he does not like saying like 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 why did he hit the bell of a Sean? You know he he's a good guy. He deserves no no more mention of him. Absolutely, it's, it's persona, like he doesn't exist. He's persona non grata for the time being, until they until they finally manage to coax him back in two months. That was the policy back then. You're not here. We don't talk about you unless we're burying you somehow. 
you you say that, but there's quite a few references to the Steiners during this show. Well, well, they didn't quit necessarily like Sean did. Right. Okay. <laughs> Sean, Sean was a bit more acrimonious at this point, and it was going to require a bit more of a mediation. I, I would I would assume anyway. So we get a funny spot where Tatanka knocks Martel to the floor, and Tim White arm bars Tatanka to keep her from going after him. Could Tim like, White get in amongst it? Yeah, he went like full Frank Mirror and just grabbed Tatanka and just arm barred him. <laughs> like like sheer aggression. He was a fighting Irishman, wasn't he, Timmy White? It was nice to see that name get put to good use. And Tim White was a tough dude. That's why he survived all those attempts on his own life in 2005, 2006. Tim White just kept killing himself and just kept on surviving. Yep. To, to, to the amusement of, a, of hopefully somebody. <laughs> I, I seem to remember being mildly amused at the first one, something that, that in retrospect I feel very bad about. And uh, they kept going to the point where it's, it's almost like you, it was almost like you can't be offended by it anymore. <laughs> just, you know, I mean, he's trying to drown himself in a fish tank. He's 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 cutting his own wrist. I'm just like, come on now, how long is this gonna go on? So the match continues. Tatanka he badly bundles a springboard at one point. He he goes to the corner. He tries to jump off the middle rope. His foot slips. So Martel has to stand there and make a sandwich while Tatanka resets himself, and then dives clean over Martel anyway. Eh, it happens, I guess. It was a good effort. He tried. The important thing is he tried. <laughs> we get a great Randy Savage call, and Martel's in control. He says, he's all over Tatanka like melting butter. Weird, weird analogy. The old melting butter. <laughs> and that, because that would make... Because that would make him bread or toast. I'm picturing Martel liquidating and just spreading over Martel. John! Be a liquid terminator. <laughs> John! <laughs> Martel's the T-1000. He just liquidates and reforms. John, do with that what you will. <laughs> Good luck, John. Yes. We're counting on you. <laughs> yes, Terminator 2, model citizen. <laughs> yes! Mod- See what you did there. See, you're awake. This is a good time for you. Uh, this ain't my A material, though. <laughs> hey, that sounded pretty <laughs> A game to me, sir. Well, I appreciate that. Thank you. We, we have a charming moment in which Bobby Heenan calls the Tonka a squall, which I'm sure, I'm sure would not fly today. No, that, that felt a very weird thing to say. Mm-hmm. Well, it's, it's Bobby. Martel actually goes for a slingshot splash like he's Lucha Rick. <laughs> but he hits the knees, unfortunately. I wrote, when does he ever do that move? Got some topical Bill Clinton humor just to remind you that it's 1993 if you needed this to be dated in any way. I have to say, Tatanka has the best crossbody next to Burtis Clay ever. He doesn't just fly at you from a distance. He waits until he's about six inches from you and then jumps as high as he can and just comes down on your chest on, almost vertically. So that you just kind of so that the poor victim lays out in awkward fashion on the mat. But it looks painful for a crossbody. Exactly. There's a couple of moves that Tatanka pulls off in this. I think that look really good. A bit later in the match, he does a chop off the top rope, which he gets a decent bit of height on. He was quite underrated, Tatanka, I gotta say. 
he was more than just a gimmick, you know, just like the you know, last great Indian wrestler that you saw in in professional wrestling. He actually was a pretty good power based, high flying technician in a lot of ways. Like he he was very versatile. But then Tatanga gets knocked to the outside. He drags Martel out under the ropes. They brawl kind of aimlessly for a bit, and it's a double count out. Kind of anticlimactic. Yeah, it was a bit of a rush. It felt a bit of a rushed finish. I was like, I don't, I, I get that they want to keep Martel strong if he's now back, and obviously knowing where this leads to, I guess they don't want him. You know, to lose, but then Tatanka is on a winning streak. They don't want him to lose. So why book them? Yeah, then why book why them book together? <laughs> you, you're on a hiding to nothing if you book them together, unless it's a because it just it doesn't it it doesn't really give anybody as much momentum. Like you could have had you you could have had uh, Martel have a have an exhibition match and win. That would give him momentum going into next week. Tatanka could have won and gone into next week with some momentum. So it was just a strange decision to put these two sort of like positives together because they just sort of repelled. But it was a good or match, though. Have... It was a good match. It was pretty enjoyable. A lot of inspired moments in there. But why not have, if you want to do something a bit you know, outside the box, why not have Tatanka win by reverse decision? Martel pins him through chicanery, hitting him some sort of foreign object, but then it's discovered that he cheated. It's not not only does the shriek live, but you give Martel a visual win over Tatanka so that he's strong for what you need him for later. That's a good shout. Just an idea. So we go to Joe Fowler. Now, you messaged me about, about him a couple of days before we sat down to record this show. So I was ready to see what Joe Fowler was all about. Mm-hmm. I'm gonna let you get whatever you need to get off your chest, and then then I'll pipe up after. He is f- awful. <laughs> <laughs> wow, that's it's, mean. He is. <laughs> I didn't expect you to be that graphic. <laughs> Well, <laughs> a better way to put it. You, you saw them. I did, did you but you know, this is the funny thing. This is, this is why I love doing this is because sometimes something will come up that one of us will have a really toxic reaction to, and the other won't. And this is this is basically your Jim Duggan moment right now, because like. Watched... Oh, no, 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 no. Don't compare Hacksaw Jim Duggan to Joe Fowler. They both Do lost not. the same amount of matches. Um, but... Hacksaw was a draw in Mid-South. He had an amazing tuxedo street fight with Ted DiBiase. He was an over babyface for many years. To this day, he still gets the ho from the crowd whenever he appears. He is an institution in professional wrestling. Okay, I get why you had... A distaste for him at some point because he didn't do very many jobs. I tease you about that, but at least he was relevant in professional wrestling. Who the hell is Joe Fowler? I I don't personally think Joe Fowler did enough to warrant that much bile from me. Like he wasn't great, 
But like, uh, he didn't. I've heard. I, I've as a. I, I've heard worse. <laughs> I've truly heard worse. I wrote in my notes here. Fowler is Dave Collier if he wrecked his voice doing Mister Woodchuck. <laughs> he did have a strange, um, a strange voice. I'll give you that much. His voice would crack like the uh, squeaky voice team from The Simpsons. <laughs> so he's he's here in Mean Gene's perch, which is sacrilege. This this guy replaced Mean Gene Oakland. He's here to do the. Uh, He's here to tell us who the 20 men are for the Battle Royal for next week's show. And he had some comments to say about some of these people that I'm going to toss in here while I read the names off in his voice. <laughs> Just to kind of convey what we're dealing with here. First he says, winning is very important. Yeah, the, that was, yeah, the inflection was a bit... <laughs> Not only that, but it's like he's Captain Obvious from the... Um, was Expedia Commercial Hotel.com, something like that. He's he's like really winning's important. Coming in seventh is not as important. What if, okay, thank you. <laughs> so the tw- so so you have the last two men standing at the title match for next week. And here are the twenty men. Erwin R. Scheister, Macho Man Randy Savage, Adam Baum, who Joe notes so very explosive. Said with the same enthusiasm, too. Do you miss Mean Gene yet, by the way? A little bit. He would have said, the radioactive wrestler Adam Baum is going to be there. But no, we get so very explosive. Yeah, it's true. It's true. Mean Gene would have certainly given a bit more gravitas to Adam Baum than so explosive. <laughs> Joe Fowler, he's hitting puberty during this promo. All at once. We have the giant Gonzalez in one of his last appearances. Mr. Perfect, Owen Hart, Rick the Model Martell, Superfly Jimmy Snooker, Bob Backlund, both Quebecers, Pierre and Jacques, which he notes, the greedier getting greedier. Obviously referencing the fact that they are tag team champions and they're going for all the belts. So if, if they were a babyface team and they entered in this match, would they still be greedy? Or are they greedy because of their heels? Ooh. I think because they're heels. <laughs> because they're heels, but we are, we are never to be drawn to them being greedy. <laughs> I love how heels are so scum of the earth that anything they do is so evil. It's like, now look at the way that Giant Gonzalez eats his peanut butter jelly sandwich. What an asshole. <laughs> the way he puts it all around his face like that. <laughs> Because there's a moment with Ludwig Borger come up later in the show where Vince, uh, because he's a heel, well, well, we'll see when we get there. It is the next match. Uh, Razor Ramon is in, is in the Battle Royal. Mabel, but not Mo. With Big Daddy Cold Diesel. MVP. Not that MVP. No, no, no. Not uh, not Montel Vontavious Porter. But this, this guy wouldn't this be is... called MVP all the while, would he? No, he would eventually become Abe Knuckleball Schwartz. Yeah. It is the Brooklyn Brawler playing a face-painted baseball player. Yeah, he's in the Battle Royal because they had to make up the guy somehow. The one, two, three kid is in the Battle Royal, as is Bam Bam Bigelow, Marty Jannetty, Tatanka, and the last name they say, the hammer of the group, so to speak. You know, they really hammer home how important this match is. Bastion Booger. 
Oh, the bugger creeping in there. But it did lead to some good gags for Bobby Heenan next week, which we'll get to. I'm guessing you watched next week's show already because you got the wrong week. I have indeed. I'm well up, I'm well ahead of time at the moment. It's because, and if you're watching along with us on the WWE Network, mm-hmm. they've been silly beans because of this. And they've put the wrong description on a couple of the episodes early on. So I've got very confused. I, I, I've genuinely lost track of where we were for about half an hour. But I fixed it now and I've watched, I'm now way up to speed on all the episodes. Just text me on Friday or Saturday and I'll tell you what episodes are next. I'll just, I think, what have, yeah, from now on, I'm just going to go, does this, is it this match and this match? <laughs> you can just tell me yes or no. Thomas, 1995, what the hell are you doing? <laughs> is it the one where Seth Rollins comes out after winning Money in the Bank? <laughs> okay, we're a bit too far ahead. Yes, he was nine years old. He was very happy to have that briefcase that, that weighed more than he did. Oh, But yeah, um, Weird lineup for the Battle Royal because, I mean, my my thought on this is the battle that the the Intercontinental Championship is a is a is a a stepping stone belt, and that's not in a derogatory sense. That is what it's built around being a stepping stone belt for people to move up to the next level. So seeing guys like Bob Backlund and Randy Savage in there just felt a bit weird. Okay, let me go through these names real fast. I'll tell you who I would buy as Intercontinental Champion out of these 20 men. All right. And we'll do, I'm going to do a little percentage here. I'll count. IRS, yes. Mm-hmm. Randy Savage, you, you, even though he's beyond that belt, yes. Because at least he's a star. Adam Bomb, sure, he had momentum at this point. Gonzalez, no. Uh, Mr. Pervert, yes. Owen Hart, not yet. Martell, sure. Snooker, hell no. Backland, nah. Quebecers, nah, are tag champs. You don't want to do anything with that. Razor, yes. Mabel, no. Diesel, not yet. MVP, <laughs> Kid, kid, sure for the upset. Bam Bam, yes. Chinetti, yes. Tatanka, yes. Booger, no. So that's 10 out of 20 right there. That's That's half. And the guys who are in the other half are either just not ready for the belt yet or just not feasible for it, a la Pierre and Jacques. So it's not the worst field in the world. It's all right. I just There's just a few in there that just surprised me. I, but mind you, I know that we've got a we're, – we're very lean on talent at this point in, yeah. in the WWF. Well, the 92 Rumble for the world title had Repo Man, the Berserker, Virgil, you know, some, uh, some dark horses there to say the very least. And that was for the WWF World Heavyweight Championship. Yeah. So Ludwig Borg is in action next. He has a flag logo instead of a render. When they do the coming up next screen, usually they have like the, this nice uh, waist-up photo of the wrestler standing there. Now it's just a logo for Borger because he has apparently materialized into a flag. He's like a transformer of some this sort. This looked so ugly. So very, Listen, very ugly. I have no Photoshop skills. I could have drawn something better than that. John! <laughs> if only we knew somebody well, yes. with good Photoshop skills. Yes, we need Ludwig Borger to be a transformer of some sort. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. 
Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. You could be Bumblebee. I don't care. Just make him something. Make him look slightly better. So then we have a very creepy commercial here. We've seen the WF Unbelievable campaign to this point. They've had two commercials. Uh, the first one had the couple laying in bed together. The second one had the guy at the bus stop trying to hit on the girl while we're in different costumes of wrestlers. Tom, did you see this commercial? Yeah. So this commercial is a baby crying. With the TV on in the background, so clearly the baby is distressed, and then the baby knocks the remote control, which turns on WWF Raw, and then we hear Vince going, Welcome, everyone! And this makes the baby instantly happy. And the baby starts laughing and giggling, and then we see uh, lettered blocks on the floor rearranged to say, Unbelievable. I haven't got a Scooby-Doo what this has got to do with anything. These raw adverts, seriously, are the work of some weird, weird, weirdly wired mind. It's like the second Mr. Plow commercial where the guy smashes the snow globe. Dad, was that your commercial? I don't know. <laughs> it does. Like I, I'm just wondering. I'm wondering whether... Because I think, as I said earlier on, and as it will become apparent, hopefully by now, if you've been watching these Raws with us, they are still very much finding the sides when it comes to making programs like this. And I feel like this is Vince who went, I've got a lot of ideas for bumpers for WWF Unbelievable Campaign. And he's just written them, and he's just handed them in, and someone's made them, like verbatim. There's no filter. This is just Vince McMahon's ideas. That's what it feels I think like. What you're- I think what you're doing is you're putting these abstract ideas out there, and you're telling Vince, it's the guy from it's the guy from Seinfeld who came up with it. That's a popular show. This must be good because he doesn't know what's good and what's not. Like, like here's a donkey eating a small child. That looks awful. The guy from Seinfeld came up with it. I love it. Let's put it out there. Unbelievable. We're gonna be mainstream in no time. Oh man, it's just very confusing. It's, it is very abstract. 
But what's not abstract is our good friend Ludwig Borga, who is who who is as simple and to the point as any wrestler you'll see in this time period. As Ludwig Borga made his way to the ring, you will be forgiven for recognizing his theme music as Nikolai Volkov's from WrestleMania 17. Yeah, he does need something a bit more intimidating. Something a, a, a bit more thrash metalish for a guy who's, who's coming here to beat the crap out of you and just do it in a unflinching fashion. He's here to face poor Philip Pollard, who takes an absolute beating during this match. Borger walks into the ring, just pushes Howard Finkel aside, walks into Apollo and punches him. It was brutal. It's the best opening to a match I've ever seen in my life. And if, the if absolute best. If we are workshopping Ludwig Borger, uh, the music uh, needs work. His ring attire needs work. Oh, my days. It's the worst ring attire in the company. But his work does not need work. No, no, no. He's he is he is like um, I've 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 written in my notes here. Can we start calling him Broxky Lesnar? <laughs> Broxky. <laughs> Just because, like, I'm... he looks and carries himself a bit like a mid nineties Brock Lesnar. He 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 really does. And I mean, we have noted the connection before where he lost to Randy Couture in UFC and. 11 years later, he, uh, Couture lost to Lesnar, so there is a deeper connection there. I could probably don't pay me nothing. <laughs> Look at the so. state of this lake. <laughs> Zoom in on the dead fish. Here comes that pain. <laughs> mm-hmm. See, look, and again, here you are. There's a nice reference, because... Uh, both Brock Lesnar and Ludwig Borger have experience in vignettes featuring Aqua Life because Ludwig Borger zoomed in on a dead fish. Brock Lesnar F5 to Shark. That is true. Yeah. There is a small connection there. We, we need Ludwig to have a shirt that, have a shirt that says ill-fitting theme music city. <laughs> Eat, sleep, environment, repeat. He's just the end of he should dance in place while Harvey Harvey Whippleman or Jim Cornette is a promo for him. That'd be fun. <laughs> Can you imagine Harvey managing Ludwig? What an ill fit that would be. The beast, well, the conqueror. While Ludwig jogs in place wearing like your pro shirt. <laughs> Enjoy him. You're not going to see him for six months. Well, I I I didn't mind Borger here. I like Ludwig Borger at this point. I just think the music's bad and the outfit looks a bit rubbish. But I think as a thing, there's potential. Oh, absolutely. He hits his really cool spinebuster front drop at one point. And as he's beating the pile up outside the ring, there's a fan in the crowd who has a hand-drawn sign of the Finnish flag with Ludwig Borger written on it in blue lettering. So Ludwig has a fan. And Vince immediately accuses that Ludwig Borger of planning that fan in the crowd himself <laughs> as propaganda. I quite like there was a Finnish section. <laughs> like, uh, I'm just can't the guy have one fan, Vince? No. Maybe he's from maybe he's from Finland. Maybe he came here from Helsinki to watch his hero wrestle. Did you ever think of that? <laughs> Burger gets his delayed vertical suplex that lasts about thirty seconds. And Apollo's not a small guy either. No, Apollo's looking a bit of a chunky monkey at this point as well. I don't know whether you noticed this since we started. Like, he looks like he's put a bit of put a bit of weight on, put a bit of timber on. Yeah, he, he's quite rotund, and Borga held him up. 
for an eternity and then and took his free arm, held it out, and, and kind of did like the come on hand gesture as he dropped him back. That's just sheer power. And then we get my favorite move, which is the kidney strikes. Borger just measures him, punches him right in the kidney as hard as he can, and then does it the second time because he's an asshole. He is. I love Tor him. Torture rack finishes, and he, just, and he just drops Apollo afterwards. Doesn't set him down, just kind of just lets go, and he falls on the mat in an awkward tumble because Borger could care less about his safety. But then after the match, he... He actually salutes the fan from the ring who had the flag. A nice little cool moment there. I like that. A nice little nod to uh, to the finish section. I hope this isn't the last time we see the finish section. Well, it's a diverse crowd. We always use, always use more fins out there. Of course, Borger could be campaigning in advance for his eventual parliament run, trying to draw up support. Oh gosh, yes, because as you know, look look at Ludwig Borger on Wikipedia. We talked about this a while back, but yeah, a Parliament man from Finland later on in his later on in his life. Yeah, Borger had quite an interesting life: boxer, par Parliament member, singer, actor, MMA guy. He's done it all. Love him, and I sure. hope to see more of him on Raw very soon. We have an ad for WWF Mania. Which I th I think that would be Kevin Dunn interviewing Randy Savage in this ad. I could be wrong. It was it was it, it was quite similar to Dunn's voice, although although minus the Jim Cornette exaggeration. Randy, what do you what do you think? I'll tell you that mean. And uh, <laughs> we have a great line where Savage goes, "Todd's too loud. Just get rid of him." I like I like I how much Randy Savage is just killing Todd. Throughout this advert, and then, and as as he talks about how the show is all about him and it's his program and it's number one now, I'm here. Da, da, da. It's when Todd comes in and goes, "Hey, thanks for supporting WWF Mania." And Savage, just with this big grin, and because he's wearing the glasses, you can't just see how sinister this is. Just thumbs up to Todd after rubbishing him for a good twenty seconds. This was like the innocent version of single white female. <laughs> it probably was. I like that. Savage goes watching... up the final week with, with short hair and a garish shirt. <laughs> Looking just like Todd, he'll shave the beard off and he'll pull the butcher knife out. You know what? If you were watching just Monday Night Raw when it comes to the wrestling, you would be forgiven for thinking that Randy Savage is the number one babyface in the company. Because he's he all really over is. it. He's on. He's the commentator. Every so often he wrestles. He's in that WWF figures advert every week. He's every so often in the Slim Jim adverts. He's in the Unbelievable adverts. He's now on WWF Mania. Like, he's all he's over also, it. I mean, he's, like, he, he's also relatable because he thinks Todd Penton does a detriment to the product. <laughs> <laughs> he's on our side. He's one of our own. <laughs> So then we come to the next match, which <laughs> I could be wrong here. We've seen approximately more than 100 matches at this point on this show together. Yep. I think this was the worst match on Raw to this point. Mate, this this match, I tried three times to watch this match because I was quite sleepy when I was watching Raw and I kept nodding off. <laughs> And it's not even that long a match. I was on a train, and I'm a bit. I get a bit sleepy when I'm on a train, anyway, because of the nice, gentle rocking motion. And I and I'd had a lot of beer. I'm normally quite sleepy, and I tried three times, and every time I woke up 
during the Quebecers match. I went, God, let's try again. <laughs> Rewind, try again. Yeah, this was this was dreadful. <laughs> this was dreadful. I was wide awake and made up this flat and shite in, in, in one straight shot. God. Superfly Jimmy, Superfly Jimmy Snuka versus Paul Van Dale. Now, Tom, who is Jimmy Snuka's daughter? Nia Jax's best friend, Tamina Snuka. Very good. And who is Paul Van Dale's daughter? Paul Van Dale's daughter? Um, I actually don't know. It may come as a surprise that like Tamina, Paul Van Dale was also asked last night. Oh, really? Do you have Google handy right now? Should I just tell you? Hang on. No, I, have, I think you should tell me. I, I'm intrigued. He was at Fastlane last night, and he's... Okay, go on. Just tell me. Just tell me. Hit me with it. Paul, Paul Mandel's daughter is former SmackDown Women's Champion Carmella. No! Yeah, Hang her on. Her name is Leah Van Dale. Paul Van Dale. WWE. Yes, way. Wow, you can't even teach that. <laughs> well, I want you say that when Carmella's involved. Oh, wow. The sole survivor of that trio. So this is this is this match is basically where the women's revolution begins. <laughs> During a Jimmy Snooker match, that's, that's a great thing to say. <laughs> wow. Um, so yeah, I. I, ha- I have to say, I don't think Tamina or Carmella are any great shakes in the ring, but I would rather watch them wrestle than Jimmy Slugger versus Paul Van Dale. I feel like Tamina versus Carmella would be a much stronger match. Yes. And and I, when Slugger and Van Dale start this match, it is so awkward and clunky. They're on different pages in different books in different libraries. And, and Van Dale... He's been a prelim guy for a while in this company. I think this is his first role appearance. He was he was Razor Ramon's first TV opponent the previous year, which is on Razor's DVD. Um, it's a very awkward start to this match. Van Dale doesn't know what to do almost. Snuka is – whoever's leading here isn't doing the very best job, I don't think, because they're just – it's confusion. And thankfully, mercifully, Bobby Heenan this match. This is the match you do. He calls Crush because we got to keep this storyline going. So Bobby Heenan is is and, and and in fact the commentators in general completely ignore this match, which is for the best. So we've got Bobby Heenan ringing Crush, who, as we know, in the last few weeks, uh, Savage and Crush have a little bit of heat. They're a little bit cross. Yeah, and Heenan's now trying to stir the pot trying to drive the wedge between the two even further. See, Crush is mad, and Savage doesn't know why. The audience may have a clue as to why, but you know we're not fully informed of what this ongoing animosity is. Heenan notes that Crush is not in next week's Battle Royal. He asked, Bobby Heenan asked Crush if he thinks that Savage has to do, has to do with that. It may be trying to keep Crush out of the match. Savage says, don't go there like he's, like he's like 13 years old in 1993. At least he's up on the lingo at the time. Savage asked Crush to come talk to him face-to-face. But then Crush hangs up on him yet again. 
the plot thickens. Ooh, and, and all the while, Bobby is just stirring it and stirring it and stirring it. I'm not sure what was ballsy, your crush hanging up on Savage again, or Vince saying that Jimmy Snuggles is in top form. <laughs> I think Vince is lying. And then, and it's, and so that takes away like the commentary duties for this appalling match. And then they, it's like they finish that skit. And the match is still going. So we're like, oh, we need to find something else to talk about. And do they start plugging silk stockings here? Uh, next match, I believe. Next match. Next but, they, match. but they do start plugging something else on TV. They just, they are adamant they do not want to talk about the in-ring return of Jimmy Snooker. Well, with here, it, it, it's quite obvious as to why. Although, he finished look good. He super fly splash. He could still do it at his age. I think he was 50 here, Jimmy Snooker. Like, legitimately, I think he was, like, 50 even. What should have happened in this match is Vince should have got up, should have walked up to the apron, and told both wrestlers, hey, one day, your daughters will be able to wrestle because of my daughter. And then walked away. <laughs> that would have been incredible foreshadowing. <laughs> Why? It would have been bizarre. But Why, Justin? One of those, huh? Why is yes. Snooker back? Like, I know we're thin on the roster. I know that. I know these are the lean years. But we're not that lean that we have to have to, de- have to defrost Jimmy Snooker. Well, he was kind of... He kind of had a run at ECW at this point in the early days as a heel. So maybe you're just kind of hoping that maybe he's... Maybe sparks some local interest. Like, hey, Jimmy Snooker, remember him? He's kind of doing okay at the moment. I mean, if, I mean, four months after this, him and Tommy Dreamer would have a pretty memorable match at an event called The Night the Line Was Crossed, in which Tommy would kick out of the Superfly Splash and Snooker would yell at him mid-match and then do it again. Ooh, okay. But uh, Snooker was, uh, yeah, he was, he was beyond his final lap at this point, and it was pretty obvious. And I, I say that as someone who, who enjoyed his matches, even though the story's They've come out about him have not been savory, so I guess it was kind of cool for like a nostalgia thing just to see super, super fly Jimmy Snooker. But, but I feel like with was. someone like this, I, th- I, I mean, obviously that they're going into this with the idea that obviously he's had matches in ECW, but as we know from ECW, they're excellent at accentuating positives, hiding negatives, and Snooker clearly with 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 this particular <laughs> dance partner couldn't go. This really should have been here comes Snooker, big chop to the chest. Down he goes, up the top, superfly splash, done. If he can't do that much, keep it dead simple and keep the keep that magic there. Here's the commentary. After the first move, Bobby Heenan, hey, let's call Crush. Busy <laughs> signal. Out. I will try again later. Oh, there's the finish. <laughs> that should have been it. <laughs> I'll say that's the embarrassment of having to call that match. Well, it was it was uh, it was bad. So then we go to a Razor Ramon IRS video highlighting what happened last week with uh, P.J. Walker scoring the upset on a distracted Bray Wyatt Sr. Then Vince goes to IRS and calls him Mr. Rotundo. Yeah, that was weird. Why is he calling him Mr. Rotundo? His name is Shyster, damn it. And if that weren't enough, IRS is in some sort of dingy office boiler room type thing with no lights and two very frazzled female assistants one of whom is rifling through 1040 forms 
and the other one is on the phone. Virus sits at a desk with no suspenders on. This <laughs> is bizarre. It's a very odd setup. I mean, I I kind of like it because this is this is like completely embracing the IRS character and going, he's built a little tax office in the boiler room of the venue and he's hired two women to take calls for him. And it's, so he's delivering this promo to Vince and halfway through it, he just turns to the one on the phone and goes, get back to work. What am I paying you for? And she, she hadn't, she hadn't stopped. She hadn't stopped working. But he just turned around and lambasted her for no reason. This was peak IRS for me. This was Iris's best moment ever, up until he showed up to the WrestleMania 23 dance party. Oh, then yeah, then all then then all bets are off. That was wonderful. <laughs> I'm wondering if one of these girls is Sister Abigail or not. <laughs> Did you? Were you as confused as I was by the line at the end where he said, "And then I can win." I can win the Battle Royal, and I can win the Intercontinental title, which I very much can do, as you know. Yes, because he's never done it before. (laughs) You know that thing I've never done? You very much know I can do that. Well, he's putting his abilities over, but it did come off funny. I do agree. It was just an odd odd, uh, selection of words that came out of his mouth at that point. I noticed behind IRS there was a refrigerator. And there's this big note on on the actual freezer part of it, and I don't know what it said because it was so far away. I presume it just said pay your taxes. It could be like a very menacing note, though, like like something very threatening, like you know, don't put certain food in here or whatever. John, if you're out there, you're watching this. John, what did the note say? (laughs) Yes, what is on IRS's refrigerator note? Is it like a? uh, Is it? Is it one of Bray Wyatt's like, like science tests where they, they got an A-plus on they put up on the fridge? <laughs> In fact, I tell you what, if you're listening, John, if you could, thank you, or at Tom Campbell, at JRH Writing, tweet us, what is on IRS's fridge? Yes, we want to know. We'd like to know. Thank you, please. I got to say, that was a very creepy room, though. Oh, it was, <laughs> like, it like was center horrible. So then we go to the main event, which is if the last match was the worst match in Raw history to this point. This may be the most bizarre match this in Raw history to this point. Very, very odd. This was a weird effing show. <laughs> so the Quebecers had their tag team title match, and they have chosen suitable competition. So they tell us. It is not the Steiner Brothers. Who could it be? Come back from break, and they're in the ring with Barry Horowitz. Now, I like Barry. You like Barry. Very underrated performer. Polo has a Harvard shirt and a pennant just to drive in the point. Yay, screw Yale. (laughs) Horowitz informs us that his regular partner, Reno Riggins, has and cannot wrestle tonight. So at this point, I'm going, Paul Van Dale, Paul Van Dale, <laughs> Paul on, Van Paul. Dale. Come on, Paul. P. <laughs> P-V-D. <laughs> the whole messing show. It's me. It's me. It's P-V-D. 
I want RVD versus PVD now. Oh, mate. RVD versus... Book it. Someone, somewhere, please. If Paul Vandale is still with us, which I assume he is, because he was at Fastlane on Sunday. Yes, he, <laughs> he follows me on Twitter. What? He's been following me for a while, I believe. Why isn't he on this show? That's a damn good question. We need to figure that out. Tweet him. Invite him. Unless he deleted his account. I mean, he followed me like, maybe like six months ago. Does he want to watch Survivor Series with us? I, I would hope so. I mean, we're good people, right? Ask him. Ask him if he'll watch it with us. Oh, he may delete his account. All. I don't see. Or he blocked me one or the other. I have no idea. <laughs> <laughs> He's upset that you, he wasn't invited on this show and we're talking about him. Maybe he's listening in. Oh, not again. Paul, <laughs> stop it. So, one, two, three kid is, is, a Barry, is Barry Horowitz's partner because Horowitz can pick any restaurant in the world and he chooses the consummate underdog. And the Quakers seem to be okay with this. As, as I write, now I want Sean Waltman versus PCO at one of Joey Janela's shows. Oh, man. I mean, that'd be the last match Sean Watman would ever have, but it would certainly be interesting. No, Sean's pretty resilient. Yeah, you give him credit for that. He survived so much in his career. That would be the 2019 51-year-old PCO versus 46-year-old Sean Waltman. I'd be down to see that. Book it. Vince says that he thought we'd see one of the top 10 rated teams. There are not 10 teams in this company. What in the <laughs> hell are you talking about? Are they, are they not? I mean, they've been, I mean, okay, Head Shrinkers, um, Men on a Mission, Two. Quebecers, Steiners, three. Steiners, Quebecers, four. That's four. Dwayne Gillen, Barry, five. Spokens, five. Dwayne, Dwayne Gillen, Barry Hardy. They don't count. <laughs> um, uh, the, um, well, well done, six. Well done. Heavenly Body, seven. Seven. The Executioner um, and uh, the Brooklyn Brawler. <laughs> if, they the, if they borrow the Rocket Rocks from Smoky Mountain, that's eight. But that's where it stops. Hang on. There must be more. No, there's not. There must be more. I'm trying to think. Don't say the Executioners either. Do Money Inc. still count? Like, is it one of those no. things where it takes thirty days for them to fall off as a tag team? But as of as of date, they are still technically a tag team until the end of the month when they get well, written off. <laughs> well, Vince has to call Bob out to see if he can borrow Tibiasi again. But sure, nine. And Razor Ramon and one two three kid. They don't count. Come on now. They've teamed. Not yet. They haven't. I thought they had. I'll let you have the Rockers. How's that? Even though Sean quit. <laughs> and, the, and the Rockers have been split up for like a year and a half. Oh, well, their tag team license is still valid. Let's, let's count it. Who else would be a tag team? Um, is Tatanka team with anybody? How about the Bushwhackers? I'll give you them. Bushwhackers. They're still active. Bushwhackers. How about Blake, how about Blake Beverly and the Brooklyn Brawler? Yeah, we'll have that as well. There you go. There's more than 10. It's loads. Mate, it's I, a I want thriving division. It's a thriving division. <laughs> it's 205 dead. <laughs> <laughs> oh, amazing. 
<laughs> a thriving so tag the... team division. Shut up. Sure. <laughs> Vince is so thrilled by this turn of events that he's reading Silk Stalking promos. <laughs> so this match here, the Quebecers have, have accepted the one who's kid as an opponent because they think he's going to be a pushover, like Barry Horowitz has been a pushover since he got into this company, which is a shame because he, he's a very skilled wrestler, as we both know. But for the most part, Kid kind of dominates this match, well, a little bit early on, before getting double teamed. The idea is that maybe Jacques and Pierre shouldn't have been so cavalier to uh, accept this match so giddily, because the Kid has a penchant for upsets. And Barry Horowitz, maybe he has a little touch of magic tonight as well. So maybe just maybe we'll see a title change here. Now, the big turning point in this match, and this is why this is a weird match. Jacques turns around at one point, and Kid kicks him right in the face and knocks him through the ropes. And Jacques is dead to the world. He is out. Motionless. This is the... <laughs> this is one, two, three, Crow Cop here. <laughs> <laughs> a little shout to Crow Cop for his recent uh, medical issues. Hope he's doing well. Big love to the pro wrestling killer, Mirko Crow Cop. <laughs> was it left foot cemetery or sorry, it was right foot hospital left foot cemetery something like that one of the best quotes ever love him I, I, probably, I probably bungled it but so a stretcher gets brought out by the referees not any actual medics just the bow tie and button up shirt referees bring the stretcher out but it was a bit of exactly a um, bit of a rogues gallery of famous officials Amongst them, apparently they're all paramedics in their spare time. Yeah, somebody doesn't pay enough. Tony Chimmel, big love to Tony Chimmel, who was who was bringing up the rear. Yes, he he survived all these years of taking care of Razor Ramon's gold. Otherwise, something was going to happen to him. <laughs> and now, now Jacques could have a head injury here. I mean, he was kicked right in the friggin' mush by the one, two, three kid. So they pick him up very cavalierly by the head and legs. Johnny Polo helps, and they just throw him on the stretcher. He could have a neck injury. You don't know. Either way, they were in a hurry to get him out of there, rather than you know, go through the usual rigmarole of uh, putting a neck brace on him and all that stuff. It's like, ugh, just throw him on there. Bobby Heenan throws Vince's water on him in a pretty funny moment. Vince says, that's my water. Jacques injured. He's more concerned about his water. <laughs> dick. <laughs> So Pierre has to. Have, so Pierre, per referee's decision, because Earl Hebner's an asshole, Pierre has to go it alone now, and the belts are on the line. So Pierre is now the underdog here. Yeah. Yes, the conniving, grinning heel, who cockily accepted this match because he figured it'd be a cakewalk, is now the underdog, and anything that happens from this point on, he's fighting all odds. The C in PCO stands for Cena at this point. I don't get PC- this this whole setup. Like I'm as baffled as you are. Why would you do it? So, like suddenly the Quebecers are like the the heroes trying to overcome the odds. PCO stands for put Cena over. <laughs> <laughs> See, I had a little Mandela moment here, or a Mandela memory, whatever that's called, Mandela effect. As a kid. I would miss the last half of these rolls because I'd be in bed at 9.30 on Monday nights at this age. So I was told later on what happened that Jacques got hurt and Pierre had to go it alone. 
I never actually like like saw this how how it all went down. So years later, I, uh, in remembering this match, I just assumed that Jacques got hurt legitimately, and they just had to carry on. Like maybe he just hurt his neck or whatever, and they had to get him out of the match. So he's like, like I just, I guys just, just go home as soon as we can and, and give Pierre the wings. I'm like, well, they wouldn't take Kid and Harvards and just have him get buried by one guy, would they? They won't be that stupid, would they? They were that stupid. Because Pierre hangs in there. <laughs> we come back from break, and there's a nice insert shot of Jacques having his pulse checked. And he picture in picture there. <laughs> he could be dead for all you know, and they're checking his pulse <laughs> to ensure that he is, in fact, still alive. <laughs> that he... That, that he lived through that Snooker Van Dale match. <laughs> <laughs> Kid gets the alleged hot tag because even the crowd's kind of like, "What's going on at this point?" Was this and the I, hot? I all... Was this the hot tag after the slam? Uh, yes, because Harvard fell into the corner. This was this was such an odd exchange. This brought me back into the confusion that is this match because Barry Harwood got slammed by Pierre, who got he got slammed into the corner where he could tag. One, two, three, kid. One, two, three, kid gets a big cheer, leaps over the top rope, goes into like a stance as if to fight Pierre, and then Pierre just clatters him, just knocks him down. <laughs> so what was the point in all of that? This was disjointed the high hill. It's oh, it really was a fun. mess. Absolute mess. Well, kid eventually starts taking over again. He, he He's in control. He's building momentum, as Michael Cole would say. But then he, he he runs to Pierre, throws a spinning heel kick, Pierre ducks, and Kid's ass skids the top rope, and he just wipes out to the floor off of that bump. It looked pretty brutal. Oh, it looked awful. So Kid splattered on the outside, and then Raven comes over and picks him up and rolls him back in. He, he almost throws him on the, on the Pierre's weary body, which would have been a funny finish if he, if he had pinned Pierre that way. <laughs> that would have been the best way to win the balance. Kid at this point is he, he's in a shock state of uh, physical being right now Pierre kind of gets the arm across his shoulders are down, referee ignores it and Pierre pins Kid with one arm while Harvard stands there looking like an idiot I, what um, a weird match I did, the, I did a time check on this and di- despite the fact that this took a thousand years for Pierre to make the cover right? it was still <laughs> Shorter than the time it took Triple H to pin Booker T at WrestleMania 19. Still shorter. Having watched that match again recently, I remember it. It was even longer than I remembered it being. It was a long match. And no, and no wonder it's a, that match gets a lot of slack. And this one, you had four skilled guys in there. You could have had a much different match. I don't know why you had to have Jacques get knocked out and Pierre fight against the odds. Because it made Kid and Horwitz look worse when they lost. I just don't see what the mindset was in this match. I don't get, like, it was, you you start this match making the Quebecers look like these these cowardly, these cowardly no-gooders who are like, yeah, give us an easy team. (laughs) Then the one gets injured, Jacques gets injured. So Pierre valiantly fights two on his own. Mm -hmm. Like, what are you trying to achieve? The biggest problem here is that the one, two, three kid is someone you have an investment in. He has value. He's going to have value tomorrow. He's going to have value next week. 
What you should have done was bring out a second jobber, a legitimate one like the Brawler or Riggins or Vandale, somebody. Fill Apollo with a, his, in a body cast at this point. Just someone who, who you don't need to put over. And have both of them go two-on-one against Pierre so that when Pierre wins, he's beaten two guys who don't need to be over tomorrow. He's managed to beat two scrubs by the skin of his teeth with Jacques gone. The one three kid is not a scrub. Like, as I said, he, he's going to have value for a long time after the fact. People love him. Why would you have him get pinned in this match? So weird. But so weird. It was what it was. So the show ends with uh, with Razor Ramon coming out to trash IRS. After Iris said earlier, during his Boiler Room promo, Iris was the original Mankind. All he was a rocking chair. He could, he, he could, he really could have been Bray Wyatt Sr. <laughs> New Haven, we're here. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe that was the impetus for Bray Wyatt. I like watching my dad do a promo in the basement. I want to Maybe do that, that too. Har- <laughs> Maybe that was Harper and Rowan's moms doing the... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> the work next to him. <laughs> oh, that, ask, one, that asks a lot of questions. One of them has a sheet mask on. The other one turns to the camera and goes, yeah. <laughs> that that would have been lovely. So Razor's putting over his prospects for the Battle Royal next week. He says, just look for the Meng, who's six foot seven and more handsome than ten movie stars. <laughs> now that li- now, that opens a can of worms there, because what movie stars are you talking about? Well, clearly, about five ugly ones and five relatively attractive ones. Uh, let's see here. Uh, Fred Mertz, Jackie Coogan. Help me out here. Um, I'm dating myself with his references. Movie car- um, um, oh, gosh. What's his name from Princess Bride? Let me just look him up. Um, Don't say Andre, Jesus. No, 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 no. Andre Rusimov. He's a, he's a beautiful Wallace man. Wallace Shawn? No, it is. I'll tell you in... Five seconds. Wallace Shawn. There he is. You were right. It was Wallace Shawn. I... <laughs> uh, the mama from Throw Mama from the Train. <laughs> was she the same as the mama from the Goonies? Was she? I can't remember. Uh, there's one way to find out. Um, she was played by Anne Ramsey, Mama Fratelli. She can be in it as well. Okay. And uh, just... You know, wild card for the fifth one there, but I assume he means handsome ones like Tom Selleck and uh, Tom Cruise and whoever the kids loved back then. Um, Ke- Cary Grant, I don't know. Of course, he'd been dead for like 30 years at that point, but that's beside the point. <laughs> anyway. Still handsome. So Razor, of course, he's the one guy who's really hyping up this match, so I wonder who's going to win this battle royal. <laughs> he him and Savage have a, have a bit of friendly tension. Like, hey, brother, it might come down to us. And then at that point, all bets are off. Savage's game for that. And that's it. That's our show. And it just kind of weirdly kind of goes off air without... It just sort of signs off. And they pan up to the, the Raw logo. And Vince is like, we'll be back next week with the Battle Royale. And so it just... And this is... And the point that I've made a couple of times throughout this, and it is really heightened, and it's really obvious during this show that they are still figuring out live production because there's so much that, that nowadays, like, it's just accepted 
And given that it, no matter how much we we love or hate an episode of Monday Night Raw, production values are second to none. Absolutely. Like, well, other than the shaky camera. Apart from a bit of shaky camera shenanigans, but like in terms of like capturing the feel and the size and the noise and the scale of everything, they have nailed mm-hmm. it now. But at this point, oh man, it was so, so ropey at points. Here's my theory to what happened. They planned the Battle Royal, and they planned the following week's match to determine who wins the Intercontinental belt. And they're like, great, you know, go team. And they leave and go, wait a minute, wait a minute. It's a three-hour taping, not a two-hour. <laughs> what about everything crap. else? <laughs> it's like, crap, we got to do this. What's up a third hour to come up with? Uh, geez, um, uh, I don't know. And they just throw it together like some sort of bizarre Frankenstein's monster type episode, which is what we got here. This was a – it was not a bad show. It was not garbage. It was – it, it was, was a build. Though. It was a building show. It was a show that was moving. You, I, I, I like this one more than I've liked many others because you feel like it's building towards a thing. It's building towards something. It's all about this intercontinental battle royal, and they couldn't have done more to make it feel like a big deal. Yeah, but it was just so bizarrely put together. It was like it was like a mystery science theater episode where you're not sure what the sketches are in between the in between the the movie and what is the movie yeah i hear you it's 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 uh jumpy <laughs> and you're not quite sure where you, who's coming who's going like i said i didn't hate it but it was, it was a damn weird show they've, they've done better but they've also done worse that main event confused me more than anything else jimmy snooker's match probably to sleep but you know what tatonka rick martell was good it was a good match Lord. overall and Borger killed a guy. That's always fun. That too. Borger, oh, Borger was was excellent. Big fan of Ludwig Borger's work in this one. MVP of the show, Borger. Well, other than the kid, of course. So next week we have the Intercontinental Battle Royal. I'm very excited to see how the, how all this get, pays off. Yes, you're very excited to see it again, aren't you? I'm seeing it again. Well, yeah. I mean, I'll I'll watch it again before we sit and record, just to refresh my memory. But uh, it's 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 certainly a thing that's happening next week. Which I'm excited about episode 33. Don't forget 33. I'll message you just before and just to refresh. I think I'd be happy to confirm. I would like to thank Justin Henry for being awake at this time on a morning in America. Thanks to daylight savings being all cockamamie. Lousy farmers. <laughs> I'd like to thank my day job for allowing me to do this 40 minutes before I start it. Thank you very much. Much appreciated. Uh, at JRH Writing on Twitter, just send him pictures of dogs. Because <laughs> who doesn't love a picture of a dog? Happy dogs. Happy dogs, please. Happy dogs. Uh, I'm Tom, at Tom Campbell. You can send me some happy dogs, too. That'd be lovely of you. Uh, Cultaholic, at, Cult, at Cultaholic on Twitter. Send them pictures of happy dogs as well, because the one thing we do love is a happy dog and a battle royal next week. Love you, bye. It's 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 week. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. 
Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50 luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. For all the wrestling headlines in just 10 minutes, search Cultaholic Wrestling News on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts from. 